Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? Amy, this has been a week that I don't think we'll forget anytime soon in the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah, I think it is most definitely one that we will remember. Uh, and I'm gonna spe- I'm gonna guess. I mean, I think we have some stories to cover that probably a lot of people weren't tracking with this week. But probably I'm so. gonna guess that most people, uh, if you listen to a podcast about Southern Baptist life, uh, you probably have been tracking this week. Yep, you're here for one story this week, and we'll get to that here in just a minute. Amy, I want to. We do have an update on another story that was uh, kind of big during the week uh, that we talked about right. last week on the podcast. So. Yeah, um, We'll talk about that, too, here in just a second. But first, let's thank our sponsor. Located in Louisville, Kentucky, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary is committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degree programs by visiting sbts.edu. Speaking of Southern, I, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later when we get to the National Day of Prayer information at the end of the uh, show here. But uh, I saw Dr. Moeller at a, a big National Day of Prayer event up in D.C. yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. saw the pictures. I have to tell you what I liked the best um, because he, he tweeted several pictures with uh, friends, people he saw. Um, Benjamin, uh, his grandson, oh, showed yes. up at the end of that. And there were some great pictures uh, of that. So those are those are some of the most fun. Yeah. Katie, his daughter, lives in D.C. Uh, right. And his grandson, Benjamin. Uh, you know, obviously right. lives there with her, and so they came over and saw Granddad, and and those were great pictures. Those are always fun. I think I think Papa is what Papa? one of the tweets said. Yeah, one of the tweets said at the end of the uh, the end of the event, he heard Papa across the room. Oh, okay, so that's outstanding. Um, my hunch is all the pictures with friends and you know maybe other speakers. I'm sure it was great to see everyone, but my hunch is Benjamin was the highlight of his day. I'm guessing it was. Yes. All right, Amy, let's jump into this. Uh, this past week, a lot of information, a lot of news out of uh, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary over in Fort Worth. Uh, we have several stories linked in the podcast, both from Baptist Press and Baptist News Global. Uh, we're going to start with uh, just a, a response that the Southwestern trustees put out after some comments surfaced uh, from their president, Dr. Paige Patterson, uh, regarding abuse, abuse victims, divorce, and other topics uh, this week. Uh, Amy, kind of walk us through all the issues that happened this week. Seemed like what happened, there was an audio clip that was circulating online from the year 2000. It was something that has surfaced in the past, um, so so it wasn't like a brand new discovery, but I would say it got on the radar screens of uh, more people just because of how social media works. Uh, this time. And so I think it raised maybe more questions in the public eye and, and maybe some folks heard it for the first time. In the process, sort of a greater discussion came surrounding it. As that greater discussion sort of gathered steam, we, we ended up in a place where a lot of statements uh, were, were being made, interviews, things like that. You mentioned the, uh, you mentioned the statement from 2000 that surfaced uh, there was also a video from 2014, another uh, audio statement from 2013 uh, that was brought up. And a, a lot just, it's kind of one of these things where all the eyeballs in the Southern Baptist Convention kind of shifted toward Fort Worth. Right. And so Sunday morning, there was a statement that came out um, 
from Dr. Patterson on Tuesday. There was a statement uh, that came, again, from the trustees and Dr. Patterson. And then in the process, lots of different statements, you know, lots of people interacting with this. So it was just a, um, I, I don't even know quite how to describe it. I'm a little bit uh, rattled kind of at the end of, of all of it. I'm sure, as I said, a lot of our listeners probably have been watching it as well. And some of it is just kind of having to slow down and, and breathe. Yeah, I did have a chance to, to talk to a few people this week. I, I do know that there have been a lot of trustee discussions this past week. Uh, what those entail, we do not know uh, because those are private trustee discussions and we don't right. here. We aren't in the room, so we don't have the information uh, we don't have anything to share on that front. I, I do know it just has been there's been continual discussions between Kevin Eckert, who is the chairman of the board of trustees at Southwestern, uh, along with the other trustees and Dr. Patterson. And uh, there has been you know a prayer meeting on campus this past week. that was reported by the Star Telegram in support of Dr. Patterson. Uh, there's been just a lot of different things going on social media wise as well as relates to this story, and all of this kind of distracting from. Graduation, you know, so there, I mean, that's yeah. one of those things that we, we can't forget. That's happening today at Southwestern, uh, their, you know, commencement ceremonies for their graduates today. We do want to congratulate them as well as our rest of our Southern Baptist graduates that will be graduating this week and next from our various seminaries. Uh, but you know, all this kind of pent up, um, discussion happening the week of graduation, which is always a busy time anyway at the seminary. So, uh, you know, just a, a lot going on in Fort Worth this week. I'm sure this is not the last we've heard of this story. Uh, we just kind of wait and see if there is uh, anything else to report or any further developments. Yeah, and and I think maybe the one thing that I walk away with is just a real sense that this conversation surrounding abuse, and I don't say this just from this week. Um, I've actually been thinking on this for a while. I didn't go back and count, but I just, in my memory, uh, we've been doing this show now for three years, and we have had a number of weeks where we have a story on the issue of abuse uh, in in some way that it is connected to the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, th- this is something that is out there. It's something that a lot of people uh, are dealing with and processing. We certainly are having a broader cultural conversation um, about that. Something that has sunk in over the last few months is that as much as we want it to be clear where we stand on this, I'm not sure that it is. I think that's fair. There's been uh, statements put out, but then actions that don't always match the statements or, you know, audio or video. I mean, and not just in this situation, across the board. No, no. This is Too many things that we've been dealing with. Uh, and, And you and I, we even took a time out on one of the episodes. I need to go back and find the link to that. But uh, we, we took 20 minutes out of a podcast just to talk about the church's response to sexual abuse and right. what's going on. And, you know, we've had too many of these these times that we've, we've talked about harassment or abuse or allegations of abuse uh, from leaders. And this is not, you know, nobody is accusing Dr. Patterson of any abuse. It's just no, absolutely comment. not. So no. These are, no. you know, a little bit different than the other stories that we've covered. So right. uh, we do want to make that clear. Absolutely. The total package just has, it's been sinking into me lately that, that it's not, this is not something that is clear. So many issues are very clear to the world where Southern Baptists stand. Um, but this one seems to be a, a little bit more difficult um, for us to communicate. And um, 
and I'm not sure why. I know that dealing with issues of abuse is difficult in our uh, polity. I understand that. I understand dealing with individual situations is, is, is it's, it's multi-layered, but I do think there has to be some way uh, for us to be more clear on this, and I'm wrestling with that. I don't think you're alone in wrestling with that, Amy. I think that is something that many of us are, are still wrestling with. I think that's something that the uh, the Committee on Resolutions will be wrestling with as well as we meet in June uh, in just a few weeks. Uh, I, I do know of a couple of resolutions being submitted about the topic of abuse, so I, I do think that this is a, a conversation that we, we have not finished having yet. So uh, we, we will continue to look forward to that. All right. Um, we, we mentioned it earlier in the podcast, uh, an update on the Committee on Nominations. Last week, we uh, told you on the podcast, we gave you the names and uh, some of the people on the Committee on Nominations, the different trustees who have been nominated to uh, their different boards or respective boards uh, by the Committee on Nominations. Uh, we, we had a couple of questions after last week's podcast and uh, about the diversity of the group. So we went to work and started looking through the names and identifying who the people were. Uh, came back that 67 of the 69 new nominees were Anglo. Uh, had 67 yes. white, one African-American, one uh, Asian in the group and uh, put that out there and uh, unintentionally kind of created a, a bit of a Twitter fire. Show. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a, so quite a discussion. I, I, I feel like I owe James Freeman an apology. Um, for this, uh, we, we didn't really mean to, to cause this kind of issue. And, and it was something that was brought to light. And I think it's important to know one reason why people were asking about this, because, uh, we've had conversations over the last 10 years. There have been two reports by the executive committee, uh, one under Chairman Roger Spradlin, one under Chairman Mike Rout, um, in 2011 and 2015 that discussed kind of where, the Southern Baptist Convention was uh, in the area of racial reconciliation. In those, it was suggested, now not directed, but it was suggested that there be regular conversation about these percentages, um, not because of trying to reach a particular quota, but because it would keep this sort of in our minds, um, that 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 it would keep the attention. So it talked about uh, publishing that. It talked about saying it in the announcement um, on the platform, it being in the minutes. Sometimes it has made it. Sometimes it, it hasn't because I kind of try to look back and see when it's been yeah, announced. It doesn't seem to be consistent in where the, the percentages are right. given. Like this one, this story did not have it, but a story a couple years ago did. So Right. Um, but But it was suggested by the executive committee to do that. So... Even when it doesn't get done, uh, which again, it wasn't a direction, but even when it doesn't get done, people are wondering. There are people that remember that. Um, those were discussed on the floor of the convention. And so it, it's, it is kind of a normal thing now for folks to say, okay, well, what is the percentage we're supposed to be thinking through that? So you just kind of started researching, uh, and, and put it out there. But then when it came out there, there were some uh, there was some concern. Yeah, a lot of it. And uh, so what the committee on nominations and, and this is the, this is kind of the I guess problem is the right word. Uh, the, the quandary they find themselves in is right. that once that that was announced last week, that slate of nominees cannot be changed by the committee or a subcommittee right. uh, because that that's the whole purpose of the 45 day period is to, to be able to see who's on there in case there is an issue you can bring it to the right. floor in Dallas. It's 
it's supposed to be as final as possible to that point. Now we have the 45 day window where when, when, uh, vacancies anywhere come up during that time, the committee on nominations is the one that fills them. But the reason it, it wasn't like it was a first draft and then more, it, it, it is supposed to be the list so that the messengers have 45 days to look at the list and know what they are voting on. So that's why it had to be released at this time. But it does make for kind of a difficult situation uh, in this next 45 days if if there is a desire on the part of the committee and on the part of, of many messengers who are planning to come, if there's a desire for this report to look different, uh, we're going to have to walk through this. Yeah, and the real only option that they had uh, and what they have done is they've communicated to the nominated trustees uh, that if you would like to decline your nomination, they would fill that spot with a a minority, uh, whether it be you know female, non-Anglo male, or whatever. They have asked those that have been nominated to do so. I, I know of some who have. Uh, so this report will get more diverse as we get closer to uh, the convention. Uh, so you know this is one of those things that you just have to wait and see on Tuesday morning whenever they put out the daily bulletin what the trustee list looks like uh, for you to vote on that afternoon. But it, it will be uh, a bit more diverse than it is now. I mean, it, it obviously has to be uh, if, if they're starting to fill different things. So I, I do know that they had some takers on that. So uh, so this will uh, kind of work itself out, I believe, in the end. Right. Yes. And we'll see that on uh, Tuesday morning. That will be released in the bulletin. And we'll see that, that final list. Well, and I would expect uh, that when the chairman... Uh, gives this presentation on the uh, the platform will probably will probably speak to this. I mean, it, it, and it, at least in just giving that percentage um, in the same way, uh, Jim Richards gave uh, the percentage last year. I think it was seventeen percent. Um, and so I, I think that when when they present this on the stage, uh, they they will probably share that with everyone. Yes, and and just in, for those wondering, the seventeen percent that you talked about, Amy, that it really reflects the diversity of the SBC as a whole. So uh, that that's where we are, kind of you know the last reports uh, demographically as a, a convention, you know, in churches and membership uh, across the board. Been around a, that is around seventeen percent diverse. Yeah, I so. don't. I mean, it's not an official threshold or anything like that, but I know that's that's what it was last year, and uh, and it it's somewhat reflective. Yeah. Uh, so, but we'll find out. And and uh, the committee on nominations, they've still got they've still got work ahead of them. Yeah, and uh, just uh, for the others wondering, the committee on committees that was also released last week that was eighteen percent diverse. So. Again, right there along the lines of the, the current threshold. All right, speaking of the SBC annual meeting, I know we saw this last year with the small church scholarships uh, to come to the Southern Baptist Convention last year in Phoenix. You know, there were 61 scholarships of $1,000 awarded by the Pastors Conference. This year, the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary's Caskey Center is doing this again. They have $1,000 scholarships for small church pastors that is uh, generally defined as pastors of uh, 150 and average attendance or fewer. And uh, they're giving away $1,000 scholarships again, at least 24 of those, because they had uh, the budget set aside from last year. So uh, you can find out more about this. I love this, Amy, uh, this this program. Oh, I think it's and, great. And people can find out more about it at nobts.news slash conference scholarship. Excellent. All right. So it is the beginning of the month. You know what that means? CP. And we're 4.45% ahead of projected budget giving. Uh, and 1.85% above last year's giving, Amy. This is a uh, good news. 
a strong month in April at $16.279 million given to the cooperative program. Yeah. Um, so we continue to see this kind of being ahead. I, I, I would love to hit like a 5% threshold before we get to the end of the fiscal year. That would be, uh, that would be really cool. It would be. And uh, I, w- I would love to see that. And, you know, also in this report, Amy, uh, something also to look at designated giving, which includes Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong is up 2.02% over uh, last year. So those are also up, which uh, we, we've heard good things about Lottie Moon coming in and expect that to be strong. We had our strongest ever Annie Armstrong Easter offering last year as well. So uh, it, good news on both fronts for the designated given before uh, that, that go mainly to North American Mission Board and International Mission Board. Absolutely. Well, on April the 17th, I was at the executive committee for the election of the executive committee search team. And now, Amy, they are accepting nominations. Yes. So we've been waiting for this and uh, assumed it was coming. It was coming soon. And here it is. On April 24th, a letter went out to executive committee members, entity presidents, uh, the executive director of WMU and state directors asking for what they consider to be the most to be the five most important characteristics of the next president. So the search committee is taking all of that in. Uh, they got a lot of great responses that just help give uh, give guidance. And now they are ready to sort of open this up to accept nominations. So um, the email address is ecpresidentsearch at sbc.net. Um, we'll include the Baptist Press story in the show notes and a link to that email address as well. Um, so if you have any suggestions, any, uh, any nominations, uh, go ahead and send it in. So that means that nominations are open for the International Mission Board and uh, for the Executive Committee, uh, two really crucial uh, positions within the SBC. And not only those, Amy, but the Georgia Executive Director search is also underway. Remember we talked about Dr. Uh, yes. Bob White, who is retiring at the end of this year. They're going to be holding listening sessions as well as taking nominations uh, through May 31st. They're having a, a listening session. If you live in Georgia and want to participate in these, uh, one of them's already passed. It's uh, It was May the 4th at Ingleside Baptist in Macon. There's one in Valdosta on May the 11th at Northside Baptist and one at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board Chapel in Duluth on uh, May the 25th. So you've got uh, a couple more opportunities to go and, and just kind of interact with the members of the committee and uh, the chairman there, Bob Jolly, who's the pastor at First Baptist Church of Cumming, Georgia. Uh, so you can go to those, talk to them, hear what they're looking for, and also uh, submit resumes and nominations for the Georgia Baptist Executive Director search. There you go. All right. Moving up from Georgia to South Carolina, Amy, they've got a new president over at Charleston Southern. They do. Uh, Dondi Costin, uh, U.S. Air Force Chief of Chaplains, um, selected to be president of Charleston Southern. So this is a really interesting, um, interesting selection. Uh, chief, he's, he's been Chief of Chaplains in the Pentagon, leading 2,000 chaplains and chaplain assistants in the Air Force Chaplain Corps. Uh, so a lot of great, uh, leadership experience. He has an MA in counseling and religion from Liberty, uh, as well as two, um, master's degrees from Air University uh, at Maxwell Air Force Base and a PhD in leadership and D-men in church growth from Southern Seminary and an MDiv from Southwestern. I wonder if he was in school under Dr. Rayner. I don't know. You'll have to ask. Because uh, PhD in leadership, but that would have been Dr. Wagner's school if, if he was there at that time. 
uh, and yeah. D-men and church growth. I mean, that that's definitely in Dr. Rainer's school at, at Southern. Right. So, uh, have to ask. have to ask Dr. Rainer if he knows these guys. Yeah, but um, this is, uh, th- this seems to me, I mean, with someone with all of that leadership experience, all of the, the background, but then also going to a... a to a university that has such a, there's such a military presence there in the Charleston area. Uh, seems like we'll, we'll be a great fit. Yeah, he's, he's kind of got the, the military side and the, the religious academic side. Yeah. So, Amy, this is uh, another one of these inaugurations you might get to go to. Uh, I, I know you were the, the one and the other one recently in South Carolina. Yeah, you never know. Never know. Got to send delegates. Yeah, got to have a representation, right? And a weekend in Charleston. That, that's not bad. Yeah, I can live with that. All right, uh, down to Florida now. Uh, Mac Brunson announced last week that he will be leaving the pastorate at First Baptist Jacksonville, which he shared with Heath Lambert uh, for the past few months, uh, and that'll make Heath the uh, the sole senior pastor at First Baptist Jacksonville. But uh, a big uh, big announcement last week from a big church in the SBC. Yeah, that's uh, really big, and part of that the reason he that uh, Dr. Lambert will be the sole senior pastor is there was a, a bylaw that they had done back when he became co-pastor that that said if either pastor steps away the other one will be the senior pastor so uh so him stepping away uh is just kind of settles it and so this was this was last week um i think it kind of uh, startled a few a few people even though there had been talk about sort of retirement plan and, and things like that the immediate resignation kind of surprised everyone um, but they were very, very clear. No rumors of scandal, correct, anything like that. Just this is the right, this is the right time, uh, to bring things to a close. So, um, they are definitely going through a time of transition. Yes, they are. So we'll keep an eye on, uh, where Mac lands. Wish all the best for he and Debbie. Absolutely. All right. Over to Denver, uh, a key gateway supporter in the past that helped out the, the Denver campus, the Rocky Mountain campus. Conley Smith passed away this past week unexpectedly at the age of 83. Wow. And it looks like uh, he was very instrumental. It said instrumental in founding the Rocky Mountain campus of Gateway Seminary. He was on the task force that helped kind of complete the study uh, of doing that regional campus. He raised the money. He made the recommendation, um, did so much. Uh, it can be really, it can be attributed to him. Um, this, this just reminds us of the place that, uh, that donors play in, uh, theological education in general. But, you know, you get, you get these folks out there in our churches who just have a passion for training, um, ministers and they, and, and they share, um, just for that. You know, we, we have, we have people here who support Southeastern. We, there are people who support Southern, Southwestern, New Orleans, uh, Midwestern. And they're kind of the hidden, you know, faces. People don't really know them, but the schools uh, wouldn't be what they are without the way the Lord is using these people. And Conley Smith is, is one of those. Yep. So our prayers go out to the Smith family. And speaking of prayer, Amy, yesterday was the 67th National Day of Prayer. And uh, I had a big ceremony at the White House. Got a great picture here of uh, President Donald Trump uh, marking the event. Uh, they had a big event in D.C. that H.B. Charles keynoted last night. I saw some pictures of that, and I know you guys had a big National Day of Prayer thing there in Wake Forest. Yeah, the town the town did something, uh, just right kind of at the at the town 
council or the, I guess at their, at our mayor's offices, the town offices. And, um, you know, that just reminds you of, you know, that this is a national day of prayer. It wasn't just like something's happening in Washington. This was something that small towns, uh, cities, everywhere, uh, people were doing this together. So I thought that was, was really great. And I was so appreciative of our town for doing that. Yeah. We had a, a, an event yesterday morning at, at my church. Uh, our church hosted one. There was one actually here in town too, in, in downtown Nashville. Uh, but my church had one. We had breakfast at like six thirty. You know, it was one of those early mornings. Uh, get to the church breakfast, National Day of Prayer thing, and then you know head on to work. And uh, Lifeway actually at every Lifeway store, uh, there were at least one. Some of them had two gatherings. Uh, one at like the noon hour, and then one at like six to seven at night. Uh, but all the local Lifeway stores had National Day of Prayer gatherings as well. So we had a couple of That's those there great. at the office. So that was kind of neat. Lots of stuff. This was the 67th National Day of Prayer. Um, so I have a, I have a, a question I would love to hear and we'll have to track. I'm sure he will t- share about it in different ways. Uh, just how the experience was for Dr. Floyd. This is the first one, um, after being uh, named president. And, you know, he is really well known for how he gets up at like four in the morning or maybe even before that. I don't know. And he sleeps. just has this energy and and goes all the time i wonder I if he Amy. is i actually wonder if he's crashing today um, I i'll text him i bet he's out. not i'll text him when i he bet he's not i bet he's not no, i bet him yeah just another I bet day he's up and going but i know that was a really really important uh day for him and it'll be great to hear uh later sort of his reflections on it yeah maybe we we'll have to get a hold of him and uh maybe get a quick interview about the national day of prayer and everything and how yeah. it went. So I have to reach yep. out to him. So I'll text him today and see what's going on. So, all right. Final story here, Amy, not really news to our listeners because they've heard us talk about this quite a bit. Uh, but right. there's, there's a couple books out on the SBC and that provide yes. practical biblical insights. And uh, there's an awesome one here um, by, by you. And then there's this other one by Keith Harper. That's, uh, that's ours together. Yeah, well, so yeah. SBC FAQs. Yes. Uh, so this is a Baptist press story that came out this week, um, that, uh, they actually reached out and asked, uh, Lauren Pratt, who is at Southeastern as uh, our staff writer to, uh, to do this story. And she did a great job. She interviewed us and, um, Scott Hildreth, who uh, we've talked about his book on here as well, together on God's mission, how Southern Baptists cooperate to fulfill the great commission. So it's, a good little story, I think, that uh, just kind of shares the heart behind the two books. Um, and I tell you, we've got so much happening right now in the SBC that um, it's it's actually a good year for some for some books that really educate everyone on how to get involved and why. You know, I, I like to describe that our book SBC FAQs um, is sort of the what. Uh, and the how, and then uh, Scott Hildreth's book is the why. Oh, okay. And I like uh, that. so there, I think it's a good, it's a good set. Good one-two you know, punch good companion. Yeah. Uh, and you know, this is a great resource, like you mentioned, the SBC FAQs, uh, the the ready reference there. I actually sent that to a national reporter. She had some questions this past week about the SBC and how things are working, and this committee and that committee. So I was able to just say, hey, you know what? Uh, I, I'll be glad to answer your questions, but I'm also going to drop in a copy of the new book by. Amy Whitfield. So I, I put a copy in the mail uh, to a national news reporter this past week of your book. So uh, that was, uh, you know, trying to trying to evangelize on your behalf, Amy. 
uh, of the the uh, the greatness of your new book. Well, thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate that, and um, that's good to see that it's getting out. I think, uh, as we keep saying, you know, engagement um, is helped by information. And uh, that's that's what we want. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. So I'm kind of phoning it in on this. I usually do a lot of research, but I saw a tweet. You this stole week. your item from Dr. Moeller. I did um, because I saw it and I thought, OK, I think we're going to need to cover this. So there was a tweet on May 1st um, where Dr. Mueller said, by best reckoning, Crawford Howell Toy was forced to resign from SBTS 139 years ago today. Uh, read the story of his move from star pupil to false teacher. It's a warning. Um, so this is a story that's kind of, uh, it's very well known by Southern Seminary uh, students. I remember hearing a lot about it when we were there. There's a great article that uh, Southern put out uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and so I've got a link to that uh, that Craig Sanders wrote just explaining what happened. Um, but basically, Crawford Toy was uh, the fifth professor elected to the faculty. And uh, he was kind of, uh, as as this article says, John Broadus proclaimed he was our shining pearl of learning, not an ordinary star, but a brilliant meteor. So he was kind of the star student of the seminary. But then 10, ye- ten years later, um, there was a, a huge controversy in the SBC about where his views had gotten on uh, biblical inspiration, and he was branded a heretic. Um, and so he resigned. Uh, also sort of side note that, that a lot of people love is he, uh, was, was also set to, uh, to marry Lottie Moon. There were some, uh, some, some marriage plans, uh, in the, in the process. And that, uh, did not, did not take place. Uh, she, she had rejected, he had asked her to marry him. She had rejected his proposal because she wanted to go overseas. But they continued um, a friendship uh, through letter writing, and and there had been some you know some discussion of that. And because of what happened here, it, eventually their relationship just was kind of broken. Uh, but we got the article from Southern about him, um, and I've also included something I found on a Baptist History homepage that includes the letter, his resignation letter. Um, so he wrote it. Uh, as Dr. Mueller says, we, they, we think on May 1st, um, I believe they accepted it on May 7th. I think there was some deliberation. So uh, we'll throw those in there. And uh, if, if you don't know that story, uh, check it out. Really interesting. Or if you do, go read that letter and uh, read this, this article. So um, denominational controversy, that's kind of part of our history from the beginning. We, we've had a, a, a number of those. Um, but one of them really sort of came to uh, its its culmination this week in SBC history. Wow, that is fascinating. I had no idea about that. I mean, and, and I mean, I knew about the story, but not not all right. the details and everything. So I, you know, I knew the name. I, it's hard to know, you know, much about the Southern Baptist history without knowing the name Crawford Toy. Yeah, and it's just kind. Of, I mean, when you first hear it, it's actually kind of an interesting name, anyway. Like the guy's last name is Toy. Um, so I remember when I first heard of him, uh, it, it caught my, caught my ear, but, uh, 
But every student that takes Baptist history, I mean, you have a whole lesson about Crawford Toy because it wasn't just a Southern seminary issue. It was, it, it was something that kind of rocked the whole denomination. Uh, what are we going to do in this situation? Yep. And well, and his heresy drove Lottie Moon to missions, kind of, sort of. I mean, like she refused to marry him and went on overseas on missions anyway instead. So if she had married right. him, would she had gone overseas? I don't know the answer to that. And she refused to marry him because of his heresy. So. Well, yeah, but I think it was sort of both. Like it was also that she wanted to be in China. So that that whole, I would actually like to understand that story a little bit more. I should ask Dr. Harper because yeah. he wonder if uh, you know we we have a good friend who's done a lot of work on this too, Melody Maxwell. Yes, so we should ask Melody should ask too. Give us give us more details on the Lottie Moon Crawford toy because I think part of it. I mean, I think I know that their relationship really fractured because of this, but I know there had already been sort of a. Um, an issue of, you know, she wanted to be in China. Yeah. And that, that was a big part of it. But, but it, the whole thing was incredibly painful, um, for the Southern Baptist Convention as a whole and is a story of, we have a lot of, a lot of stories throughout our history of sort of things, it moves to, uh, away from orthodoxy, uh, of individuals or of groups. And then, uh, sort of the convention saying, no, this is where we're going to be. And this, this was a huge one, a huge, uh, early one. And so, uh, really important to know and understand. So, like I said, if you haven't heard of him, check it out. Uh, if you have, uh, still, still go read yeah. the story. Yeah. Cause this story by Craig Sanders is, is really excellent. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is. Oh, mine is a book that I'm very excited about. Uh, it is uh, being put out by B&H. It's by Todd Miles, uh, who is at Western Seminary in Oregon. And it is called Superheroes Can't Save You, Epic Examples of Historic Heresies. So we were just talking oh. about a controversy surrounding heresy. Um, so Todd Miles is a, a friend of ours. We've known him for a long time. We were all at Southern Seminary together. Um, and I actually got to uh, hear a presentation from him at... Um, at the B&H lunch at ETS this past November about this book. And so I was very excited about it coming out. I just got my copy uh, last week, I think. And uh, here's the idea. He it, taught as a theology professor. Um, so he, he talks through, you know, this with his students, explaining uh, ex- explaining different um heretical presentations of who Jesus is, they all fail to present Jesus as the Bible reveals him. Um, but he also talked about how he was communicating this in his uh, Sunday school classes and groups at, at his church. And he started doing this with, uh, with the folks in his class where he would talk through certain heresies and how they connected to a, uh, a superhero. And that was kind of how he would help um, help people remember. So, you, you know, you would take one heresy and you would say, well, and when you see Ant-Man, how he changes from one uh, form to another, that's this. Or, you know, and, and we they put this superhero up there 
that uh, does something in particular, well, that matches up with this heresy that tried to say this is who Jesus is. Um, that's not who he is. He's not Ant-Man. He's not this, you know. And he was making this connection to help people keep in mind what these heresies were. And it actually worked. He talked about his uh, folks at his church that were, were remembering it, tracking with it. Uh, so he had the idea to put this to put this together. And I think it is really, really neat. I'm very excited about it. Yeah. And I've got an extra copy of this on my desk. I've got a couple copies. So I'm going to give away a copy, Amy. So the uh, the first person to respond to us on Twitter with like, uh, just give me your favorite superhero since it's about superheroes. Oh, nice. So I'll nice. send the book. So shoot me uh, a tweet at uh, SBC this week on Twitter. Be sure to be following us and uh, we'll get the book out to you. First person that sends that in, got a copy for you of uh, Superheroes Can't Save You. All right, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do a little change up on my resource of the week, Amy. This week, I'm I'm gonna change it to a, a request of the week, a prayer request. Uh, okay. A good friend, Dave Miller, yes, uh, was diagnosed this past week with kidney cancer, and uh, had a, a biopsy on Tuesday uh, to, to confirm that, and also had his spleen and his gallbladder removed on Thursday of this past week. So I just wanted to throw out there a prayer request for our good friend Dave. He's a, a former. Uh, SBC second vice president. Uh, many of you know him from the SBC voices, uh, but I would uh, just ask our listeners uh, to be in prayer for Dave and his family as they walk through this uh, with uh, cancer. They caught it early. Uh, the prognosis is uh, better than, you know, catching it late, obviously. Yeah. Uh, early detection so is a cure. It is. It is. And uh, so uh, we'll be praying for Dave. We ask you to do so as well. Absolutely. So I think that's a good way to end. Yes, it is. Uh, it, it's a good way to end to kind of remember, you know, what the important things we talk a lot of uh, talk about a lot of things here on the podcast. But, uh, you know, uh, the guys out there doing the, the work of the Lord in, the, in these churches uh, of the Southern Baptist Convention, like Dave, uh, they're going through a lot of different things. And uh, we, we need to, to be in prayer for them, remember them, support them as best we can. So um, we, that's what we do, what we do here on the SBC this week podcast. We, we thank you again for joining us again. We want to see you in Dallas. Uh, we've got a lot going on. We're going to be recording our big, uh, preview show here shortly, uh, over the next, uh, couple of weeks. And we'll have that out for you middle of May and, uh, you can prepare everything for Dallas. Amy, uh, where do they go to find out more about, uh, how to do what we need to do in Dallas? sbcadvance.com. That's got all of our information about how. And and please keep in mind that as we see all of these things happening, whether it's about committee appointments or whether it's about issues at an entity, um, we can get a lot of conversation going about that. We can get things really stirred up. But the, the way... Uh, the way to be a part of the process is to go. And so we just want to encourage everyone. Um, we, we are all in this together. We are all trying to advance the mission. Um, but there, the, that is the place for us to, um, to participate. And so if you're on the fence about going, don't be on the fence. Go. Come to Dallas. Um, and if you know people, talk to them encourage them to come to Dallas. Um, if everybody said, I'm going to go and like convince two or three people to go, I mean, that would just really, really make a difference. The conversations we're having demonstrate to us that this is a time uh, for us to really show up. It is. It is. And uh, something that uh, we've talked a lot about over the past year here on SPC this week, uh, we were, you know, our big call is 10,000 messengers. 
and we're we're hoping to see that in Dallas, and uh, we're hoping to see you as well in Dallas. And we'll be talking more about uh, ways that you can interact with us and hang out with us in Dallas. We got a couple of opportunities for that, so uh, we'll we'll talk about those on the uh, the big preview show coming in just a couple of weeks. So until then, we'll see you next week. See you next week. 